Yoga is definitely more than exercise. It's a philosophy, it's a way of living, and it's also a medicine. Everybody knows something about yoga, and yet we often ignore the real essence of it. This conversation with Ali Gear, yoga medicine therapeutic specialist from Boulder, Colorado, is an inspiring journey to the discovery of this fascinating and traditional discipline. But be careful while listening. The passion for yoga seems to be contagious. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here for the second episode of my podcast, Vibes in Action. I'm so excited today to be here with Ali Gear, my friend from Boulder, Colorado. So thanks for being here, Ali. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me today. It's an honor to be here. I'm really, really excited. Um, Ali is a, a highly qualified yoga teacher, and we are going to be deeper in that in a few minutes. Um, she's a mom, and I think she has a very, very interesting and fascinating story, uh, which is a yoga story in a way, huh? because if I'm not wrong, Ellie, I think that yoga is really not only a sport practice for you, but uh, an actual part of your life and a, and a choice of life, okay, uh, I, I think. so. Um, I remember in your uh, in your website, I read that it's a lifestyle choice, and uh, it really brings you a lot of happiness in your life. Mm -hmm. So I really would like to start from this. Uh, I really would like to to know what is yoga for you, as a teacher, as a therapist, uh, as a mom, as a human being. So what's yoga for you? You're absolutely right, David. Yoga is, to me, so much more than just a workout. Yoga really has become a work one. And I like to really think of the yoga practice as my own personal medicine, right? Um, it's this medicine that really I begin my day with and it fills my cup, right? It fills my cup so that I can share my joy, share my passion with others to support me throughout the entire day. Um, yoga really has become such a lifestyle choice. And I knew from the very beginning, although it was the physical practice that brought me in, it was the, the mental and the spiritual and the emotional aspects of the practice that helped me to stay, to really become committed to the practice. And it's, um, like you said, it's brought, it brings me so much joy on a daily basis. That's nice. So probably we can say that yoga is therapeutic for your patients, but it is therapeutic for you as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. From, I, you know, I was introduced into the yoga practice. It was actually after a pretty significant uh, car accident. And I really began to look for ways to help cope with pain. Um, I was in a significant amount of pain and also wanted to um, work in a more natural therapeutic way. 
um, and let my body heal as its capacity, at its capacity as it knows how to do. And so that's when I found the yoga practice. That's when I found meditation and acupuncture and um, chiropractic and all these natural ways of working with the body. And that was when I first was introduced into the practice. And I remember the first time coming onto my practice, coming into the practice, coming onto my mat, it felt like I was coming home back into my body again, you know? And an experience like that can really take you out of your body. And, and this yoga practice brought me back in, although it started in a physical form, right? Movements, um, and it felt good to move. It felt good to stretch. I realized very soon after that, that it was just so much more than that. There was the breath component and really learning how to sync my breath with the body, with the movements and unwind areas that were holding so much tension. And so that was really the, the beginning of this deep, deep exploration into the practice. Yeah, sure. And, and probably it was the first time for you as well to really understand the, the connection between body and mind. Yeah, I, absolutely. There was, you know, it was, it was unmistakable, the connection between the body and mind. And that led me to this place of curiosity, this mm. place of curiosity to want to learn more. And the practice really evolved learning as much as I could about the human body, learning as much as I could about the practice. And then what the interesting thing about the yoga practices is there's always more to learn. Um, there's always more to explore. And so I've always led with curiosity. And I think that that um, truly has guided, guided my practice and guided my approach to um, the way that I teach, the way that I explore the body and to the way that I work one-on-one with clients. Yeah, sure. Okay. And listen, uh, you know, one of the main reasons of this podcast is really uh, the, the will, my will to share with people stories, stories of colleagues or other therapists or coaches or trainers and really share with people the passion and, and the whys behind all that. And, and I know that your story uh, is pretty fascinating in terms of what you did, the places where you lived. Uh, probably, you can confirm this uh, or not, uh, even due to yoga to follow your passion. Uh, so. If you want to share something about this with us, I, I think it would be so, so interesting and inspiring. Great. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, it was the, it was the, ac- the car accident that really kind of led me into this um, whole different realm of exploration of the connection between body and mind. And not soon after that, I would say maybe about three or four years, uh, I was given the opportunity with my husband to move abroad to Switzerland. And so lucky- Europe. (laughs) Okay, here we are. You know, know, sorry for interrupting, but you know, I'm living in Brussels, which is known as the capital of Europe. So a bit of proud is always there. Okay, I love sorry. it. Oh, I love right. it. I love it. So we moved to Switzerland and that's when I was able to actually quit my job 
and I was able to dive deeper into the practice of yoga. And that's where I met my very first teacher, Stephen Thomas, who lives, who's out of um, Air Yoga Zurich. I think he actually just created a new space too. Um, mm -hmm. So, so I was able to really dive deep into the practice and was practicing a lot for myself and, and unwinding a lot of, you know, healing and trauma and pain. And um, it was a trip actually to Bali with this teacher, Stephen Thomas. I went on a retreat and that was when I decided in Bali that I no longer wanted to practice for myself. I wanted to actually share this practice with others and, and share this deep healing medicine that I've experienced in my, my personal practice and my journey. And so not soon after that, I enrolled in a 200 hour training. And so that led me to Thailand where oh, wow. I completed a, um, a five week program. And um, that was my introduction into the yoga teachings. So a big deep dive, the 200 hours, usually just kind of you dip your toes in the water and all sorts of different avenues of the practice. Okay. And then from there, you kind of explore where you want to go as a teacher. So after I did my 200 hour training, I was, I returned back to Switzerland and got pregnant with my first child. So okay. while I was pregnant with my first child, it became very important to me to understand how to, to work with my body because I was no longer just practicing for myself. I was creating a life within me and, and how to support my practice and how to create space for this life. So I decided to enroll in a prenatal yoga teacher training, which is about 80 hours in addition mm -hmm. to the 200. And, um, you know, that, that experience in my prenatal training really probably brought me to the closest to my body. Um, okay. it, it brought on another, a new state of intuitive awareness and really listening to my body in a way that I never had before. Mm -hmm. And so that was a lovely experience, just really understanding. And I, and I always knew that I wanted to dive into the prenatal and postpartum trainings. I think that as a woman and as a woman who's also had children, it, 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 it almost seemed natural to me to wanna to support women on their journey. Um, so that's always become very important to me. Um, and then we moved back to the States and that's where I had my second child. And then we moved, we landed here in Colorado where we've been for about, gosh, almost six years now. And, and it's just been a whirlwind of actually just diving deeper and deeper and deeper into advanced trainings. Um, I completed my 500 hour training with a teacher, Tiffany Cruikshank and her, um, her company is called Yoga Medicine. And really, it almost made sense to me, as I said already before, that yoga has been my medicine for, you know, since I, since I realized it. And when I found this program, it only made sense. Um, and, it, and it dove into the curiosity elements that really were serving me in the moment, learning about biomechanics, learning about anatomy, learning about Chinese medicine, and how these two worlds can really live together in a very harmonious way. And yeah. so the yoga medicine has just really served me and, and it's helped me to focus on 
what I want to offer to my community, what I want to offer to clients. And it's this therapeutic um, practice and how the yoga therapy can be such a beneficial way of working with pain, working with discomfort and giving people this opportunity to become embodied. Yeah, sure, sure. That's so inspiring. And, you know, I really, I really think that this fact of sharing your passion and your experience, I think you, you do this even daily with your patients and clients, is so powerful. Mm. Because, you know, you're not, you're not just teaching from, from a stage. Uh, you, you should, you're supposed to do this or that. You're really sharing with them your life your experience, your ups and downs, and, uh, and how you eventually uh, were able to, to reach these ups thanks to yoga. So I, I really think it's, it's a powerful message. Mm, very nice. But listen, you know, we are talking about yoga. I'm absolutely not an expert in that, I have to admit. So I'm one of the reasons I'm so happy to, to have this uh, conversation with you is, is really to, to understand something more. So I'm, I'm not an expert, so I'm very happy to, to know something more about, uh, about uh, yoga. And I think, honestly, that there's a ton of people out there uh, supposing to know yoga, but actually uh, they, they don't really know what yoga is. Maybe, if I'm not wrong, uh, there's not a, a real, one real truth about yoga because what is yoga for you is not the same for another person. I don't know, another individual. I'm asking this to you. But let's say, let's make this kind of joke, okay? Let's say an alien has just landed here on the planet Earth, okay? And he or her or she really doesn't know anything about yoga. What, what you do, what you would explain in, in what way, really, maybe a few words or other words as you wish, but try to make this simple. He is or she's an alien and she has no idea. I think could be useful. Yeah, I think that this is a really, um, wonderful question to ask and I'm I you know I'm actually gonna flip it because I feel like an alien could actually teach us more about yoga than we actually would teach them and okay. I'll tell you the reason why I think that especially in the west we have really lost our sight of what the practice is really about it's become this exercise it's become this Thing that we see on Instagram or Facebook of, you know, these fancy poses and flexibility. And, and although that's wonderful, and I think that that is definitely a part of the practice, and oftentimes it's what brings people into the practice, that's really not the truth, right? The truth is this yoga means to yoke. It means to, to unite body, okay. mind, right? Okay. And so, so the reason why I say the alien could <laughs> just more about yoga is because I feel like the alien would be more in tune mm -hmm. with nature and their and their true role in nature and how we really are one with nature okay. and so I think that I feel like the alien could actually be teaching me 
how, what, you know, more about the yoga practice than me actually teaching him or her or it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, sure. But one thing that I would say, if, if, if it was the first thing, you know, no, if this person, this thing had no idea about yoga, I would go to the breath. I would, mm -hmm. I would tune in and I would connect to how that, that, that person is breathing. Because to me, our breath is this connection between body and mind, between unconscious and conscious. And when we start to bring the breath in, we can start to connect a little bit more into the true meaning of yoga. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a very good point, I think. Okay, and listen, so um, at this point, I could, I could ask you, what's the difference between meditation and yoga? Because both of them, and sorry for the stupid question, but I really want to, to do the best things. Yeah? So, uh, What's the difference? Because uh, because I think that in meditation, breathing is pretty important. Uh, maybe there is a, a bit less component of movement. I don't know. Tell me something about that. Mm. Yeah, and that's a that's a really great question. And often it's another place of um, misunderstanding about yoga. Um, and when we look at the historical context of yoga, there's an eight limb path, and yoga is called asana. And it's just one of the eight limbs. And additionally, another eight limb is the meditation, right? So we have this, this eight part path that is all encompassing the yoga practice. So the physical part is just one small part. The meditation is another small part we have all these other different elements that bring us into this state of union right so so yes so yoga is meditation meditation okay. is yoga does that make okay. sense yeah sure <laughs> the misconception is in the west the way that we've learned it is that yoga is 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 the movement right and and that meditation is really something separate but when we start to really understand the, the yoga, the yoga context and the yoga scriptures and, and the text, right? Many, 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 many years back, the asana, the yoga that we call it in the West is really just one small portion of it. And it's what can guide us into deeper states of connection with body and mind. It's what can guide us into deeper states of stillness which is where we get into the meditation practice. And so one has to exist with the other. Okay, okay. Yeah, it, it really makes sense. Absolutely, okay. absolutely, yes. And, and you know, uh, you, you have just named asana. Uh, and again, I'm really not an expert. I, I, I know very few details about yoga. So another question out of curiosity is, okay, if I'm not wrong, there are very uh, the, the, the kinds of and, and the ways of doing yoga are not really a few. Okay, are, are okay. So I decide that after this wonderful conversation with my friend Ali, tomorrow I want to start a, a yoga class. Okay, but my question is where? Maybe with whom? This could be a good question. But what kind? Because 
you named Asana, Ivard, Bikram. I, okay, I don't want to name them because really I'm not an expert. Mm-hmm. How could you help me with that, with the choice? Yeah, another very wonderful question and often- Thank you. <laughs> okay, woo. So, so when we talk about asana specifically, there are many different branches that have been created, especially in the West of asana. Um, the the main umbrella we hear is is hatha, right? And this is where the the biggest teachings come from. And we also have Ashtanga, we have yeah. Kundalini, we have Yen, we have Restore. I've heard about about all those, but I, I have no idea about what this yeah. means. So where to begin? And I think that's a really great question. I think that. You just have to, as an individual, you have to start to explore. If there's that sense of curiosity about the practice, my advice is to start exploring different classes around your area, around your community. Um, a lot of places now are doing outdoor yoga classes, so you can you know, find a, a nice outdoor park where people are doing some movement and see what kind of fits with your body, what makes the most sense and know that you don't have to stick with one thing forever, mm-hmm. right? The, the body is always expanding. Our needs are always expanding, whether it's physical, mental, or spiritual. And to keep on that path of curiosity is going to do you so well when it comes to exploring the yoga practice. For example, when I began my yoga practice, it was Ashtanga and Ashtanga, you could consider it more of like a, and more like a physical, it, it was very physical. It was very aerobic, right? And, it, mm-hmm. and I loved it, right? It was meditative. I was able to really stay focused. And then I was introduced into the Hatha practice and that's a little bit slower, a little bit more connection into breath, a little more, it's just different. And so I found myself very interested in that. And then I moved into vinyasa and vinyasa is a little bit more faster, a little bit more flowy, right? Um, And so the practice is always evolving just like the human is. And so it's important for us, I think, to, to always keep that level of curiosity and figure out what what feels good in your body. And if you don't know where to start, start at a beginner's class. Um, most studios in your area are gonna have beginner series or beginner's workshops or um, just anything that they're gonna offer to really bring beginners in. And if you don't, if you don't, if your studio doesn't have a beginner's style or if you don't feel comfortable in one of those, Find a a practitioner who's open to doing a private session with you, right? And they could teach you kind of some of the first basic movements and how to connect the breath. Um, Additionally, or some sort of kind of level one introductory class would be a nice place to begin. And then finding a teacher that you resonate with. And I think that's really important because sometimes this was this was my next question. Sorry for interrupting, but this was my next question because, you know, I'm I'm a bit uh, obsessioned with uh, the coach, the teacher, okay? You know, I'm, I'm the owner and, and uh, the technical director of the personal training center. And, and I really believe in the importance of the coach. 
uh, and so yes, my question is this, and I'm, I'm happy you are anticipating this. So, how how can can I be sure about the the good quality or or the, the good preparation of, of my coach? That's that's a great question, and and that's an important thing too. Is um, it always it always pains me to hear somebody say, "Oh, I went to a yoga class and I never went back because of the teacher." Right. And that's the thing is, is finding a teacher that you resonate with is so important. And, and this is what I will often stay, say to teacher trainees and to students is that when you are looking for a teacher that you know that you want to practice with, do your homework. Right. Go to their website. Look at their bio. Are they enrolled in continuous education? And I think that that's a really big thing to discuss here because there are so many yoga teachers, right? There are a dime a dozen. And, uh, and finding the right yoga teacher can be quite a task. And so what I always tell people is look at the, look at the, look at the studios you know, information. Look at the bios of the teacher on the studio or go to that specific teacher's website and look at what he or she is doing to, to really help support their education process into this practice. Somebody who's just going to do their introductory training, I'm sure is a wonderful teacher, but there's so much more to offer with, with a teacher who really does commit to that aspect of service and commit to that continuing practice of learning. And I think that that's what makes us better teachers is per our experiences and our dedication to be in service. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, it makes sense. And yeah, you know, it's a very, a very simple question, but, but if I try to be um, in, in individual shoes, you know, I, and I try to, to, um, to understand, okay, from where I can start, I think it's pretty, pretty difficult. So your, uh, your answer, I think, can be very, very precious with that. Yeah. Uh, and nice. just, just real quick, David, if I could share my own personal experience, sure. I've been very lucky in finding really great teachers. And the way that I did it was I explored their classes, whether they were offering something online or in person, I explored their classes to see if it was a really good, to see if it resonated with me, to see if their style of teaching really spoke to me and helped me connect as a student. Okay, nice. And now I, I'm just improvising this this question because uh, it's pretty spontaneous in, in, in this kind of, of part of the conversation. And but don't you think it could be pretty difficult for, for a begin difficult for a beginner to understand if the teacher is good or bad for him or her, or yoga is good or bad for him or her? You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I'm, it's the first time I'm approaching to yoga uh, and I, I arrive in that specific studio. I don't feel well. You know, the, the vibes are not good. Uh, don't you think it could be pretty difficult for a beginner to understand if yoga or at least that kind of yoga mm -hmm. is good or bad or is a matter of the teacher? I don't know. 
Yeah. And I think that that's really about this, this exploration um, yeah. and maybe give that teacher another try. Maybe he or she was having a bad day. Um, sure. Maybe give a different style a try and, and to just keep yourself open to having an experience on your mat. And, and that's, that was probably what really shifted things for me is you know, I've gone to I've gone to classes and not necessarily resonated with the teacher, but I still had an experience in my body on my mat, and like or some sort of aha moment, right? Um, whatever it is, but that's that's where the practice really comes in, and that's where we can connect into the practice. And maybe we find a different teacher, right, who can help us really be our guide in that practice. Sure. So that's what I would say to kind of knowing whether or not it was yoga or the teacher, I would say tuning in if, if you had an experience on your mat, whether it was coming into your breath, whether it was releasing an area that was tense, um, whether it was just some sort of connection or maybe even it, for a moment after that practice, you felt clear, right? You had this moment of clarity in your thoughts, you were focused, maybe it, Maybe it affected how you reacted with your family or with your loved ones that day. Maybe you weren't so reactive, right? This is all the way the practices resonate outside of the outside of our mat. And so those are things that we think about. We're like, wow, you know, there is something to this yoga practice. And so when we have experiences like that, it it really helps keep us on the path you know, and maybe we explore a different teacher or maybe we explore a different variation of asana. Maybe we go to a hatha class or maybe we want to be, be more restorative and, and restful, right? The yeah. body needs different things in different, you know, times of day, different times of year, different, different years. And so really honoring that experience. Sure. Okay. Uh, okay. My interest, in, my interest in yoga is rising minute after minute. So I'm okay. I'm really inspired. Not really. I, I hope <laughs> it will be the same for our audience. But but yeah, that, that's very nice. And so um, I want to make a maybe a difficult question. I don't know. Uh, so you are explaining as what yoga is. Okay, the whys behind that and and all this. Um, and but my question so apparently yoga is something you could um, you could suggest so the practice of yoga is something you could suggest to everyone everybody mm. so my question is is there a category of people someone uh to whom you would not suggest the practice of yoga bad question it was not foreseen. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, so if there's not some, if there's somebody that I would not suggest a yoga practice to, I think that's um, a great question. And um, another one. Oh, Ali. And, and it's, a, it's tough. I mean, yoga is not for everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. um, for example, my husband, he's an endurance okay. athlete. He doesn't okay. practice yoga every day, and I totally honor and respect that. But here's the here's the here's the trick, right? His yoga, his meditation is the running. That's when he comes into his body. And so even though we might not call it yoga, it's still this connection into the body. And I think sure. that we as individuals are always going to find things that really lead us 
and a pathway of, of passion that, that really light us up um, physically, mentally, spiritually. And I think that is what's important, right? That to me, that is sure. yoga. You know, that yeah. unification of, of body and mind. So, so okay. that's how I answer that one. <laughs> may, may I tell you wonderful answer? The question was great. The answer was great as well. No, I really like that. Okay, great. And and listen, um, at the beginning, you uh, you named this uh, concept of yoga medicine. Okay, and you are a yoga medicine therapeutic specialist. Uh, could you just share with us, in a few words, how yoga can be can actually be medicine? Uh, is this something more spiritual? Is, is this something more physical? Is it again a mix of the two? But you know, if if you have attended a school about yoga medicine, I think this is pretty, I would say, coded. You know, so there is there is a kind of, of path. There is an explanation about that. So maybe I lost you for one sec. Okay. Here we are, here we are. You're back, yes. you're okay. still okay. Yeah. yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, just tell me if you, if you heard the question. Um, I think the question was really, what is yoga medicine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yoga medicine is this practice which bridges the gap between Eastern and Western philosophies and principles. So nice. yoga medicine teachers, we learn biodynamics, right? We learn, excuse me, we, that too. We learn biomechanics, anatomy, okay. function, right? So we look That's at true. the hip, we look at the spine, we look at um, the shoulder and really understand what's happening in those parts of the body. We also learn about Chinese medicine. We learn about women's health and fertility. We learn about restorative yoga. We learn about the nervous system, right? So we, the, the yoga medicine community brings in teachers who are really committed to raising the bar in their yoga education and really truly understanding the human body and current research on how we approach the human body. So as a therapeutic specialist, I've completed my all of my advanced trainings, but I'm also committed to continuing to complete trainings in my education to continue to evolve as a teacher and, and in, in order to be of service to my students. So you and I met actually at a cadaver training. And Absolutely. This is part How of- How to forget that. I know. And this is, this is actually part of the yoga medicine training is that we do a cadaver um, dissection similar to what we did with Tom Myers. Um, and, and that led me to many other dissections post that first dissection, but, but that was truly a game changer. Um, you know, you feel after you do a dissection course, you really feel like you gain this, this wisdom, this x-ray vision in working with your clients and your students. And that really learning about the anatomy and learning through the books and learning through the practice is really helpful. But that hands-on approach was, it really shifted me as a teacher. 
Um, and so that idea of just continuing the education to know as much as I can to be of support to students when they come with me with chronic, when they come to me with chronic pain, when they come to me with um, insomnia, whether the way that I look at, we, we work one-on-one -on -one a lot of times. I mean, I teach group classes and that's a whole different aspect of it. But a lot of my practice is this one-on-one -on -one work that I do with students and it's bridging the gap. It's becoming, you know, the support system for who they're seeing, if they're seeing a medical doctor, a medical practitioner, it's supporting them, but it's also looking at a different lens, looking at things from a different lens. So, so maybe there's something in Chinese medicine that I can take a little bit when I approach working with somebody with insomnia or somebody who's working with chronic pain or fatigue. Um, maybe there's something that I take from a little bit of the biomechanics, right? So it's this big umbrella that I can continue to take little pieces from when I approach working with somebody and it always changes. But I would say the biggest thing is, is, is teaching people how to breathe, right? That's sometimes, you know, one of the biggest components when we're working with pain in the body is, is being able to stay in our bodies and stay in our breath. So yoga medicine teachers, when we work with a client, we create a yoga RX plan, right? Or a yoga therapy plan. And, and it's how we can continue to progress and move forward with somebody to gain, you know, freedom in their body, to gain, you know, release of pain and discomfort and to help them to be on their path to recovery. So it's a very supportive practice, um, whether maybe it's I include asana movements, right? Or stretches that we would call, maybe it's breath work, maybe it's rest. Sometimes the rest component and the sleep component can be the biggest key when we're working with pain and dysfunction. Um, sure. Or sometimes that's even referring out. As a yoga teacher, my job is not to diagnose, right? I'm not a medical doctor, but I'm trained to know when it's my job to refer out, right? I mean, for just for just quick example, um, I was recently working with a client who had some, some stuff going on in her hip. And although my practices and my therapeutic approach can be very supportive, I felt it was very, very important for me to also have her see a medical doctor so that it can help me support her in the way that I need to, right? so that she sure. has the proper imaging that she needs. She had an MRI mm -hmm. and it turned out she, you know, had some, um, had some stuff that came up in that MRI. And so now I have a clearer understanding. Now I can work with this doctor so that we can create a little bit more stability in the body. Whereas maybe before I would have just made more release, right? So, so knowing when to refer out as a yoga teacher is one of the most important things and knowing how to use the support of your community, how to connect with, you know, osteop osteopaths in the area, knowing how to connect with acupuncturists, with massage therapists, like learning how to use your community to support the members of your community when they come to see you is really, um, in my opinion, what a therapeutic specialist is. Cool. So happy to, to, to hear this because, you know, for me, the fact of, of really collaborating with other specialists is, is crucial. And, and what I love of osteopathy, uh, being an osteopath, is really the fact of uh, being educated to, to 
to look at the patient as an individual and as a whole. But, but you know, when you look at the patient as a whole, you should be even humble, huh? meaning there is, I, I do all my best to, to take care of him or her, but, but I, I, there are boundaries, you know? And so I, I'll do my best in my field and then I need someone to, to collaborate with. And, and so I'm so happy that your approach as well is uh, of this kind, absolutely. Okay, so uh, let's get back one second to uh, what we discussed before about uh, prenatal and postpartum yoga, because I think this is a very interesting field. Uh, and if I understand well, yoga is so powerful with that specific target. Um, so do you have something more to share with us about that? Um, great. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking that. Um, pre, pre and postpartum yoga, as I mentioned before, is, is one of my specialties is working with women and on their journey through having children. Um, and I just, I, I think that the yoga practice can be so helpful because as a new mom or as a very, very newly pregnant mother, um, there's a lot that goes on in the body, a lot of changes, a lot of shifts that occur. And I think the yoga practice really helps us to, to be at one with those shifts and changes and to acknowledge it and to learn how to move our body in a way that feels supportive and nourishing. Um, and one thing that I would also say that's really unique about a pre and postpartum yoga practice is it also brings you into community. And although one of my favorite parts about going to a yoga class is connecting with members of the community, there's something very special that happens when we're working with women in this specific um, entity, pre and postpartum, is that women really can create this network of support that is so important, that is so needed when having a child. I mean, especially now, right? Yeah. We need our community. We need, we need to be able to lean on each other for support when we're feeling isolated. And so teaching the classes online right now, you know, it's been really uplifting because it gives women a place to come together, to share their experiences, to, to talk about what's worked for them when, when dealing with, um, issues with, when it comes to pregnancy, whether it's, um, sweating or fatigue or insomnia or sure. pain or discomfort, like what works for you and, and are figuring out like what, you know, who can support you? Who are some doulas? What are some midwives? You know, it's just a great way to feel like you're in community with somebody who's going through the exact same experience as you. And so being able to hold that space for women to feel, um, comfortable in sharing their story and sharing their experiences is one of, you know, one of my favorite things to do and, and to also work with women on their postpartum journey and give them the space to, to breathe, to feel like they can reconnect to their body um, is really important as well. And so, so the community effect of, of the yoga practice when, when we're taking pre and postpartum yoga is, is really like nothing I've ever experienced and it's quite special.
Wow, it's a very unexpected good point. Yeah, I, I never thought about that, but but I think it's uh, it's so cool, especially in, in this a special time and bad and bad time. Absolutely, that that's so nice. And listen, Ali, I, I'm so uh, curious about your opinion. So from a yoga perspective and your perspective about one thing which is so crucial for me, which is uh, individual practice, meaning homeworks. So the practice that people is supposed to do on their own. I mean, uh, here at Functional Vibes in Brussels, uh, we are a team and we normally meet our patients slash clients, it depends, um, once per week. Okay, we have our sessions, but in terms of moving, of exercise, we are always so clear about the fact that once per week, but even two times per week is nothing, okay? If you put this in a, in a kind of life where they are sedentary, they don't move. And so we are, we are really, uh, we, we really insist about this, okay? So we share this concept. We do our best, but you as a person, as an individual, you really need to take your responsibility and do your things at home and, and to build up a routine. So I'm, I'm really curious about what do you think about this? Do you think it's, it is an important thing or not? Uh, and, and what about the importance of consistency in this, uh, in this field? Mm. Yes, the, the compliance factor is a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I mentioned a little bit that when I work one-on-one -on -one with a client, um, they leave with a yoga RX. And what I've found is I keep it very, very simple. I keep it simple because then they'll do it right? I don't let, I don't leave, they don't leave with a long list, a laundry list of things, of bullet points to do, because I've, what I've found is that they don't do it, right? Simply. It becomes, it becomes overwhelming. It becomes yeah. very overwhelming. So what I do is I take maybe one or two or maybe three things that I want them to practice week from week to week. And maybe that's a breath exercise, Maybe that's a self myofascial release practice, whether, you know, using a ball on their feet or some area of the body, which is interesting. And then maybe it's some sort of stabilizing exercise, or maybe it's a connection into the core, right? The, the, the sure. abdominals. So there's maybe one to three things that I really want them to focus on. And then each week I'll build upon the last. But I know if I keep it simple and if I keep that list very small, and sometimes I also provide videos. So oh, I, nice. give them, I actually will give them a video of what I want them to work on. And that also will increase their compliance. But it also depends on the individual and how busy their life is, right? And so sometimes it's you know, not possible for them to do things outside of our sessions together. So during that time, I try to make it as impactful as possible. Right. Um, but when we have students that can stay committed, that will stay dedicated to doing those three things on a daily basis, what I find is that the rate of the, the way that they get better or become pain free increases exponentially.
right? So the compliance is so, so key and, and really the students desire to feel better in their body. Like, sure. are they truly, and like, do they really want to make a shift? So you have, you know, there's always, there's always people that don't have the time and they just continue to come to you and it's a slower process. But for those students who come to you and really stay dedicated, wanting to make that shift, change happens and it happens faster. Would you sure. agree? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, but but I'm curious as well about the fact if you have any kind of strategies to to keep motivation high, because uh, you know I, I think it's uh, this is an important topic. You mean when we ask people uh, to 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 dedicate time, precious time of their days to our practice let's say mm -hmm. our practice, we need commitment and we, de we need motivation. And normally we need this for a medium to long term. Right. So I have and we have a couple of strategies. I'm curious to know if you have any kind of strategy or tricks to, to keep motivation high. Yeah, and I would say the check-in that I have with my students is really, really important. Um, so every time I begin a session, I think a face-to-face check-in, whether it's over Zoom or whether it's in person, is um, kind of learning about what were their successes from that last week. Maybe, maybe that person came to you and they were, they were only sleeping two hours. And maybe they come to you the next week and guess what? They're sleeping three hours now. Wow. Wow, sure. Before you were only sleeping two. Well, now you're at three, right? So, so picking up on those little things that actually have shifted because sometimes students aren't quite aware of that. And then all of a sudden they have this connection. Oh yeah, maybe this practice is actually working for me. And so that keeps them motivated to want to continue on learning more and dedicating more time. And so really understanding like, or maybe they woke, you know, every morning they wake out of wake, come out of wake, wake from bed, wake from sleep and their feet hurt. And maybe mm -hmm. there was two days that they had the week before that their feet didn't hurt at all. Wow. wow. Like that's really great. You know, sure. that means that we're starting to make shifts. That means that things are starting to move, which is really exciting. And then they're like, oh yeah that did make a difference, right? So I think it's sure. really empowering your students that, that they are making shifts and they are making changes, even how micro small that they might be, those little small shifts can be big shifts in the, in the long run. Yeah, totally. It's so subjective. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, what we do here, for example, is to assess periodically, assess people. With specific tests uh, concerning the, the the topic we uh, we worked on, so the parts of the body or the skills, and yeah, I really think it, it is one of the the most powerful strategies because because you know what I think is very important is to engage people to to to, to make people part of the process, and it could sound. Um, a bit of paradox, but sometimes you have the impression when the things don't work so well that the person is a bit passive 
in in his or her path okay it could sound a bit a bit weird but i think it happens sometimes you know and and so this further this this fact of making them part of the process sharing with them these big little shifts you are you are naming uh, is probably the most powerful thing uh, because because in perfectly good faith people could not realize the thing if you don't have them to to do that so yeah i really couldn't agree more that's that that's so nice and okay listen unfortunately we are already pretty close to, to the finish line of this the finish line of this conversation uh and i'm pretty sure that a, a huge part of, of our audience uh fell in love with you as a professional your approach your your competence so i'm, I'm pretty sure about that and so my question is what if someone of of my and our audience would be interested in working with you or or having uh, probably zoom <laughs> meeting because you know if you are in europe you're a bit far but technology is so nice for that as well so um what could you offer w what should they do so uh yes zoom has given us all sorts of capabilities in fact tomorrow i'm teaching a student from switzerland so oh, wow. yes, i am teaching a lot of one-on-one -on -one sessions um via zoom i'm also i can also teach i just taught a bachelorette party um i don't know if you call them that in europe i can't remember maybe a stag you call them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I taught a class to to a, a bunch of bachelorettes oh um, wow which was really fun uh so yes zoom has given us so many different capabilities uh, when it comes to connecting so absolutely that would be an option if somebody were interested in creating a yoga rx plan anybody who's working with pain or discomfort in their body um, a yoga practice would be a really great thing to explore um, i also lead retreats so i have a retreat it's a little far for you but i have a retreat coming up in mexico in october and that's hmm. gonna be absolutely Tasty. fabulous <laughs> yes so the a lot of the information on way, ways to connect with me would be um, on my website uh, you can email me directly uh, to schedule a free consultation to see if we would be a good fit. Um, so that's how I would say people could connect with me. I also teach a couple um, group classes on, online and all that information is available on my website. That's great. Yeah, I, I will definitely put the details in the, uh, in the description of the YouTube video so everyone will be able to, to connect with you. Okay, that's so great. I'm so happy and so grateful, Ali. Really, it was it was a so beautiful experience for me because because you really taught me a lot, and and and, and I'm so honest with you with that. And I think this really was able was very useful for our audience as well. So thanks a lot from the bottom Hi. of my heart. Yeah, it, I'm so glad that you and I have stayed connected. It's been um, really incredible to see your passions and your journey coming through and what you're creating for your community um, is just really beautiful. Um, so I commend you on that. And just thanks for having me be a part of this project and 
being open to exploring this yoga practice. Yeah, it was a huge pleasure. Thanks a lot, Ali. Thank you, David. See you soon, hopefully, in person. Yeah, Who knows? <laughs> Again, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Ali. Bye. Okay, bye-bye.